What's up, y'all? It's Peter Lewis here, and I am really excited for you to listen to this week's message. I had the privilege of sharing about the great communion revival that I believe with all my heart the Lord is inviting his bride into in this hour. It's twofold. It's coming to the Lord's table, uh, coming back to his broken body, to his shed blood. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. And number two, what is the better blood speaking over our lives, over our nation, over the nations of the earth? And he is declaring, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Guys, I hope this blesses you. Hope it starts a fire in your heart. In Jesus' name. All right, you can be seated. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Wow. Raise your hand if you're from out of town. Keep it high. Where are y'all from? Where's we have a award for the those of you who are from the farthest place away? Augusta, God bless you. Malaysia, you you live in Malaysia. You're from here, from Malaysia. Okay, you win. We're gonna buy you whatever you want from Hands and Rose. Okay, for real, it's on the house. Just whatever. South America, Chile, that's pretty far, not far as Malaysia, but God bless you, welcome. South Africa, my brother, which city? Joburg, come on, welcome. So glad you're here. My wife and I are uh, praying about bringing our whole family back to South Africa this summer, so um, yeah, praise God. Man, I am... Uh, I feel a couple of things this morning. I feel a little woozy from worship. Where's Bo and the team? Ava, Laura, can we give it up for them? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm feeling it because the message I have on my heart is, is, um, is all about communion. And it's all about the body and the blood. And we didn't really get a chance to talk or, or fellowship pre-service. We prayed and we worshiped, uh, but they didn't say, hey, what are you preaching? And we put a whole set together based on the message. And so it just testifies to me and hopefully to you to build your faith. Those of you watching, God's going to do something this morning with covenant. Jane, I could listen to you preach all day. The fire that comes out of you, this woman, come on, we're so thankful for you and Truman in your heart, and just how you burn. I think of Reinhard Bunke. You know, he has this famous message, and he says, you know, I tell this joke a lot, but Wade and I, y'all know Wade, red beard Wade. There he is. Hey, Wade, stand up. Wade and Hannah, come on, let's go. This is your fault. He sent me this message this weekend um, but Wade and I, Wade actually asked Reinhard Bunke when he was still with us. We were in Orlando at the School of Evangelism. And uh, when, when Reinhardt spoke, he just, he just burned. He illuminated. He was just, he wasn't, it was no hype. He was just a burning man. And Wade walked right up to him. And he said, Reinhardt, you're, you know, older and, and, and you're burning. He goes, how have you kept the fire burning all of these years? And Reinhardt just laughed at us. And he said, 
He said, I was baptized with the Holy Ghost when I was 13 years old. And it is that fire that has kept me burning all of these years. And he just began to speak of us about how the fire of God never burns out. And we don't keep the flame burning. God's fire keeps us burning. And you guys, you guys carry that, Jane and Truman. You carry the fire of God. And this is so much evidence of that fire that you've carried all these years. And so... Um, I just want, I, I say this a lot, but I want those of us, I'm, I'm a millennial, I know there's Gen Z, there's mothers and fathers, those of you watching online, Overflow, I want you to know that, that our generation is aware that we're reaping where we didn't sow. Jesus looked at his disciples and he says, guys, you're reaping where you didn't sow. You're harvesting things that you didn't work for. You're, you're getting to partake of joy, of fruit, of harvest, and you had nothing to do with the cultivation of the field. Because it's seasonal, it's generational. God's a God of generation. He's a God of, of promise to generations. We sang it this morning. He makes covenant with us, and those covenants continue through generations. And so to the mothers and fathers in here, I wanna speak as a son and tell you, we honor your tears, we honor your prayers, we honor your sacrifice. We honor the lives that you've lived worthy of the gospel that have, that have made a way for us sons and daughters to run and to continue to carry what it is that you have fought for and labored for. Can we honor the mothers and fathers? That, that, can we do that? Yeah, it's, it's real. It's real. It's real. It's so real. We're at a tipping point in our nation, and we're about to harvest. I said we're about to harvest. That can be a hyper-spiritual term to you. To me, the reality is, after service at one o'clock, I'm going to be in that overflow room with my daughter, Faith, who's 10 years old, who got born again at the Maranatha conference on New Year's Eve gloriously born again and filled with the Spirit. And she's being baptized on June 5th, Pentecost Sunday. I have the privilege of speaking that night. I'm gonna dunk my daughter in the water and just, I don't know if I'm gonna come out. In our family right now, we're in revival. I have a, I have a wife of 14 years. We have five kids. We're in revival right now. Can I testify? So who, who said Amen. Thank you, thank you. That's, I think it's worth an amen, maybe a shout, maybe a praise. Like we pray for revival and then we see pockets of it. How many of you are in revival? You can testify and you're like, I'm in revival. <laughs> and I believe we're at a tipping point in our nation. I believe we're on the cusp of real revival. I believe, I believe Roe v. Wade's gonna be overturned. I believe it is finished. With all of my heart, I believe it's finished. I believe it's finished with all my heart. It's finished. And I believe there's gonna be a wave of adoption. I believe the church is gonna rise up. I really believe it. I believe that mothers and fathers are gonna rise up and there's gonna be just waves, massive waves of adoption across our nation. 
but I'm so sobered and aware of those who have gone before us, who have prayed, who have labored, who have fasted, who have contended, and we are now walking into something that we did not pay for. Amen? <clears throat> All right, if you have your Bibles, open to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, verse 17. I'm gonna do something a little different this morning. We are in the season between Easter and Pentecost. The early church would celebrate this as the great 50 days. And this would be a 50 day celebration of Jesus walking around the earth alive, testifying to his disciples that he was alive after the dead. Y'all know that? So he rose from the dead and for 40 days, he was showing up different places, at the beach, in houses, eating meals. I think that's pretty cool. Resurrected Jesus with his friends, 120, you know, whatever, and he's teaching them of the kingdom, and he's kind of like opening their minds, kind of this farewell tour, if you will, and then on the 40th day of that season, after he rose from the dead, they're on the mountain together, and gravity stops working on Jesus, Beam me up, Scotty. And a, and a man starts floating into the sky, and the clouds take him, and the disciples are like. And these angels are there, and they're like, hey, why are you amazed at that? He's going to come the same way. And so I believe we're in this season in between Easter and Pentecost. I believe it's a very prophetic season. I believe this is a season of encounter with the living Jesus. But I want to, I want to, I feel compelled to, to prophesy and to share a story with you that I believe God is speaking to us in this hour. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 17. This is on the day of Pentecost. This is the 50th day and the, the 120 were together. And we know there was a suddenly of God. It was, had been quiet for 10 days and then suddenly there was the sound of rushing wind and fire and the spirit began to get, was poured out and Peter stands up and he begins to preach a sermon in the midst of this loud, amazing outpouring of God's spirit. And look at what he says. He's quoting Joel here and Peter says this. He says, and in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. Father, we keep our eyes fixed on you this morning. We thank you for your promise, for your declaration that you said, God, you said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so, Lord, we recognize that we are flesh today. <laughs> we are the real estate. We are the target our flesh, just put your hand on your flesh somewhere. Just put your hand. Lord, we 
We are the target for the outpouring of your spirit. You declared, God, you declared, you declared, I will pour out my spirit. Not all over the ground, not in a room. I will pour it on flesh. I will allow my spirit to touch flesh. I will allow my spirit to come upon and dwell inside of jars of clay. And so, Father, we're aware of that reality this morning. And we thank you. We thank you for pouring your spirit out upon us. Come on, just pray with me. God, we thank you for pouring your spirit upon us, upon this house, upon the churches, Lord, that are, that are the, the, those that have gathered today. We thank you for the outpouring of your spirit upon your people. We say, what a privilege, what an honor, Lord. Thank you, God. And Father, we pray that that pouring of your spirit wouldn't get stopped up inside of us, that it would flow through us in dreams, in visions, in prophecy, God, and that there would be a wind and a move of your spirit to the lost, that they would actually hear the sound of what you're like, just like on the day of Pentecost. Yes, Lord, that there would be a sound like that coming out of our hearts, Lord, coming out of our hearts and the lost cause, those bound up in sin and brokenness and hatred and racism and division and sexual immorality, God, that a sound would come out of your bride in this hour and awaken them, God. They would hear dreams and visions and prophecies, God, and the Spirit would move upon them, Lord, and they would come home. And they would come home. They would be born again and come home. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And your old men shall dream dreams. I believe there's something about the Spirit. When the Spirit is poured out on flesh, God gives us dreams. He gives men dreams, he gives young men visions, and young, and young men and women will begin to prophesy. And I believe there's a, there's a key for us here, and I wanna, I wanna share this, this word um, with you guys. It's a, it's a prophetic word, it's a story. Many of you know, how many of you know Lou Engel? Amen. Uh, Lou has been a, a father to this house. He's been a spiritual father to me. He, the Lord connected us many years ago. My heart turned to Lou as a father. He was preaching at uh, an event Michael Koulianos was doing, and he was talking about he'd been fasting and praying for, for you know, 30 years for, for God to raise up evangelists to, to preach the gospel into the harvest. And when he said that, he said he'd been fasting and praying for, you know, however many years for God to send laborers. And I, I thought I'm, as I was listening him initially, I was like, man, I just don't love fasting. I don't even feel like I know how to pray. I feel like God's called me to run and preach the gospel. That was kind of my, like I'm one who feasts and run with the gospel, you know, praise God. Feast on communion. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, you're running with the gospel because that man fasted and prayed. And I begin to see in a moment that the, the grace on my life, the the power that was the anointing that, was, that had just come from God. It wasn't because I had like 
earned it or fought for it. It was because fathers and mothers had gone before me and fasted and prayed and said, God, raise up a generation who will proclaim your gospel and who will see a massive harvest. And my heart turned to him, and, and, and we had this crazy story. I ran into him in a grocery store in Estes Park, accidentally. He was on an on a Esther fast with his good friend Chris Berglund, and I was doing a men's retreat for Upper Room Denver. And I happened to go into a grocery store in 2017 in Estes Park, and I'm walking to go get bacon bits, and I see Lou. In a small little grocery store in Estes Park, Colorado, what are the chances and God began to knit our hearts together and and, and in 2019 I released a book called keep the blood warm God had been speaking to me for years about about learning how to to process and keep my heart soft and innocent to the blood of Jesus that, that, that the old covenant priests and Levites they would have had to kill a lamb every morning and every single evening a living lamb. They had to kill a lamb every morning and every evening. <laughs> they had to go from that to dead every morning and every evening. And those of you who hunt, I'm a hunter. I grew up in Texas. It's not weird. But when you hunt and you take the life of an animal and you clean it, the blood that comes out of that animal is warm. And you're aware that the life of the animal, you're, you're sober by it. You're not like, we're not just ruthless, cold-blooded killers. It's like, I eat the thing. We feed my family, right? But you're aware that you're, you're sobered that it's a life. The Lord began to speak to me from that. He said, son, I want you to learn to keep the blood of Jesus, my son, warm upon your heart. Don't ever let yourself grow numb. Don't ever let yourself grow cold to the fact that God's son bled and died to bring you in to my family. And it's a posture of humility. It's a posture of innocence. It's a posture of, of remaining like a child. You never become an expert. You never become a professional. I'm a professional on the blood. We have no idea. I'm a professional on water. Okay, well then drink some. Right? Someone will be like, I'm an expert in water. Okay, but are you thirsty? You can be expert on something and not actually interact with it. You never grow out of needing this. I don't care how much you know it, how much you've drank it, how smart you are about it, you need it, so drink it. It's the same with the blood of Jesus. It's the same with his body. No matter how much you know, you have to, you have to fellowship with it. You have to let it touch your heart. You have, to, you have to feel the pain and the sting and the depth of passion and love that he displayed on Calvary for you and me. He doesn't change. One of, the, one of the single most profound revelations of my life is that the, the same passion and zeal that caused Jesus to leave heaven in obedience to the Father and go die on a cross, the same zeal and passion that compelled him to do that, he has for me every single day of my life. It's changed my walk with God. Because I, I often feel like, oh, I just don't feel like I'm maybe doing enough, pursuing God enough, seeking him enough. And then I'm like, I'm like, whoa, but you're seeking me. And immediately I'm just caught back up in that fellowship and that slipstream of his presence. And so in this, I want to share some dreams with you. Lou and his spiritual community have had uh, many dreams over the years. And, and then I've begun to dream and into this as well. And I know many others uh, about a great communion revival 
that I believe God is wanting to invite us into as a spiritual family. And I'm gonna explain that, I'm gonna read some dreams to you, but I believe these dreams that God has given uh, Lou and his spiritual community and, and, and really given me and many others, I believe it's, it's God's way of speaking to us and telling a narrative about what he wants to do in our lives, in our homes, and in our nation. And so when you hear these dreams, I want you to open your heart, because I'll, ju I'll just tell you, I used to hear dreams, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, cool. But I believe if, if this scripture that we just read says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit, and then the next thing that happens is that, is that old men start dreaming dreams, young men start having visions, and, and sons and daughters begin to prophesy and share, share prophecy about what God wants to do. I believe there's something powerful for us in this as a community. And I think this is what happens. I think an old man and women, they begin to dream dreams. God pours his spirit and they start to dream dreams in the night. And when the hearts of sons are turned to the fathers and fathers to the sons, the fathers and mothers begin to share their dreams with the sons and daughters. They begin to say, hey, I dreamt of this. I dreamt of this. And the same spirit that authored the dream begins to produce a vision in the young men. See, I began to hear these dreams and it started to produce vision inside of me. Oh, I don't think you heard me. Because the spirit that authored the dream, like a dream then becomes a vision. It, it, it's no longer in the ethereal realm. It's like, oh, this is possible. And then when a young man has a vision, sons and daughters begin to prophesy that vision. They begin to prophesy. It's not just some random, you know, oh, the spirit comes and ha, ah, you're gonna, you know, whatever, get a new car and ha, ah, you're gonna get a breakthrough. That's, that's awesome, but there's something, God's so much more careful than that. He's so much more family than that. He's not just so random and spastic and prophecy and dreams and visions is not chaos and confusion. There's this covenant at the table that happens where these dreams begin, they, fathers and mothers share, hey, God gave me this dream. This happened, Lou's sharing, he's, God gave me this dream of a communion revival. And I begin to get vision for this communion revival in our nation, I'm gonna share in a minute, you're gonna be like, you're looking at me funny. And then, and then what happens is when you get vision, you begin to prophesy. Now watch this. When you begin to prophesy what God spoke in a dream that became a vision, it releases the wind of God to the church and to the lost to get caught up into the dreams of God. There's something about the same spirit that brought the dream that releases the vision now becomes a prophecy. It becomes something that God wants to do on the earth. And so I wanna invite you guys into this because I believe Upper Room has an inheritance in this story. Do you guys remember this song called Surrounded? That came during a season of us taking communion for 40 days. That song was birthed in a season. There was a sound that came out of this house that went around the globe. It was a sound. And Michael stood up on one Sunday and he says, if the blood speaks, then the blood sings. And he said, Elissa, sing what is the blood singing? And she began to sing, surrounded. And that moment was the sound that went around the world. And I believe in the same way that a sound came out of this house, I believe there is a message, a message 
of communion, the body and the blood of Jesus that's going to go around the world and shake the nations from this place. I believe it with all of my heart. So I wanna share with you some of these dreams. Um, and then I'm gonna share, share what I think this looks like. I'm gonna share some vision. And so years ago, um, so one of Lou's best friend is a guy named Chris Berglund, and the guy has incredible dreams. I don't know, I don't know. He's just got like this line, and these dreams are remarkable. And so I'm gonna read two dreams that Chris had, and then a, and then a dream that another girl uh, had. Um, can you put up the first one? So years ago, Chris dreamed of a mystic who had a treasure chest. And when she opened it up, letters came out of it that said, Lou has been given the gift of faith for the coming blood communion revival. Lou has been given the faith for the coming blood communion revival. The next dream, this one's wild. This was in uh, 2020. Um, this was the dream. It says, we were talking about the great communion blood revival. This is another dream that Chris had in a, their spiritual community. And he says, and whether we had enough BB diplomas to hand out at the communion service, one of the women in the room said, yes, every time one is handed out, they multiply. Yeah, there it is. The scene changes. And we are all watching a wall-sized live interactive map of the U.S. where homes, streets, and highways would light up as people were partaking of communion and receiving these diplomas. Yet, at the same time, great darkness... was rising up across the country where universities, colleges, and schools, and homes, covens, were also partaking of a communion service. Their communion was a toxic cocktail of anger, accusation, unforgiveness, and blood. They too were handing out BA diplomas that were multiplying. The BB diplomas were better blood diplomas, and the BA diplomas were brethren accusers diplomas. Both had power and were warring against one another, yet only the BB had authority. Both had power. Watch this. Both had power and were, and were warring against one another, but only BB had authority. We were talking about how we can't fight power with power. We needed to fight power with authority. Somebody was quoting Luke 10 saying, the authority we have been given over all the power of the enemy is through the better blood. So then of this year, we decided um, we were, there was a 40-day fast in the Lent season, and, and we were really fasting unto the revelation of the blood of Jesus, believing that the blood would, would remove the veil that was over the church, over the lost. And so uh, on the first night of that dream, Lou and his community up there, they were going to read through Keep the Blood Warm. And on the first morning, this girl had this dream, and she shared it. She says, after the meeting, this girl Stephanie shared that she had a dream in which her brother Peter Lou was pleading the blood of Jesus over her. And I believe it's a picture of a father and a son pleading the blood of Jesus over our nation. And there's been so many other dreams. And so we, we talk about this, and you're like, okay, cool, Peter, some cool dreams about a communion blood revival. What does that mean? 
What does it look like? And I want to talk about this morning because I, I, I actually believe this is an invitation from God the Father to our nation. And I want to prophesy to you this morning up a room. And I believe there's going to be, many of us are going to encounter this reality, that which God is saying. I believe you're going to encounter it this morning. We already took communion. I want to tell you, we, Jane and Troon led us in communion. And there is still a frequency in the spirit that we're going to encounter. There's depths to that. We're like, well, do we need to take it again? No, no, no. We took it this morning. We're still at the table. And I believe many of you are going to encounter the reality of the body and blood of Jesus in a way that you've never experienced it before. I could, I could stand up here and preach for days on the blood of Jesus. I could preach for hours on the body of Jesus Christ and what it means. And, and I think we should. Amen? I think we need a revival in the body of Christ of what does the broken body of Jesus mean for me? What does the shed blood of Jesus mean for me? And, and how then should we live if this is real? Because can I tell you something? The church, the church in America today, if for the most part, is very sick. I, I know I'm not, I'm not discounting what God is doing. I celebrate what he's doing. There is life. There's revival. There's pockets. He's left himself a remnant. But as a whole, there are many sons and daughters of God today that are sick and dying because they do not understand the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. It's real. Th this is the condition. When they come to the table in Corinthians, they said, many of you are sick because you're not discerning this thing rightly. You don't have understanding. You don't, you don't actually comprehend who, who this man is and what he did for you. And so you come, and it's just this kind of sacrament thing that you do, but you are not tapping into the earth-shaking power that was meant to quicken you, to give you life, the very life of Yeshua, Christ himself, the giving of God to man that we could take him into us. He's going, you're sick for this reason. Because you're not discerning his body rightly, you're not judging rightly, you're still judging yourself unworthy of my love, you're still judging yourself as just these lowly people that don't, oh, I'm just not worthy of the love of God, and you're still judging yourselves as those who, who have to remain sick and under the generational curses of sin and darkness, and you're still just, it's like, he's like, that's why you're sick, you're not honoring, you're not worshiping my son and his blood by allowing his life and power to quicken you to awaken you, to save you, to deliver you. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. There is no other answer for you. Church, there's no other answer. There's no other ministry for you. Can you hear me? If you need saving, if you need delivering, if it's sexual immorality, pornography, pride, judgment, hatred, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're have sickness or disease in your body, there is one ministry and one ministry alone. It is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're like, oh yeah, I know. No, we, we, if we know, then we need to repent and turn from every other thing, every other thing, and begin to honor Jesus and who he is and what he has done on our behalf. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. 
And so I believe the first aspect, like what is, Peter, what is this communion revival going to look like? I believe the first kind of like sign of this communion revival is that the church is going to return to the table of the Lord. I believe there's going to be a repentance of, of man-made religion, of man's gospel, of striving. I think there's going to be a repentance of just programming things to death. We're going to repent. And it's not just churches, it's families. It's sons and daughters, it's husbands and wives. It's actually doing this at your dinner table. This is not, a, this is not when I say revival, I'm not talking about necessarily, though I, I believe there will be a national communion service in 2023. Just mark it now, put it, put it in your phone. I believe in 2023 there's going to be a national communion service where the church with one voice and one heart stands over our nation by the blood in the body of Jesus Christ and proclaims forgiveness to our nation. Where we're unified. Did you guys know, I, someone sent me, a couple people sent me as I began sharing this, the Catholic News Association or agency, uh, they, they put out a thing and they're saying, we're believing for a Eucharistic revival in the Catholic Church. Bishop Andrew Cousins in Crookston, Minneapolis. I, I don't know him, but if he's watching, praise God. He's instigated this thing. And listen to what he said in the Catholic Church. He goes, we do not want to start a program. We want to start a fire. They released a film along this. The Catholics released a film in Spanish called, uh, I believe it's called Alive, Who Is There? And it's about these five people in Spain. It's in Spanish. And they're in Spain, and, and they were like anti-God, atheists, on the rocks, whatever. And these five, I haven't watched the film yet, so I can't endorse it, but the trailer was powerful. So just put that as a disclaimer. But it was about these five people that encountered the power of God through the Eucharist and got gloriously born again. Come on! Church, what are we doing if we don't believe that our nation can see God repent and get born again? Listen, I am so, like, you guys are being bombarded with so many things. Like, our nation, so the church is sick, but our nation is super duper sick. Racism, murder, abortion, sexual immorality, the perversion, the, like, all the things, right? Can I tell you? Can I please, can we simplify the narrative? Sin is at work in our nation, period. Period. What's happening in our nation? Sin. Sin. It's sin. Stop complicating it. Stop making, putting other names on it to go, okay, you don't fight power with power. Oh, well, this is happening, so then we're going to flex harder with our stuff. No, there's a better blood, and there's a better way. There's a better blood and there's a better way. And that's the part, this better blood. So number one, the church is gonna repent, come back to the table, but this is the part I'm really excited about. And I wanna share this and I wanna unpack this. I believe there is a key in this communion revival when the church returns to the table of the Lord. We begin to, to really honor the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. What's gonna happen is we're gonna be reconciled among each other 
all the divisions, all the unforgiveness, all the brokenness, all the pain, all the interpersonal denominationalism, all the comparison, all the striving, all the he said, she said, all the, well, I don't like the way they do this, all of that, all of that goes away. When you come to the table, you break bread with someone, you have blood, the, the blood of Jesus, and you're looking at each other, and these, are, these could be people you love, people you know, but people that there's actually friction among, amen? How many of you know sometimes it's easier to be in friction with the people who know you the best? Married couples? See, the people you know the best and are, and are around the most, you have the most opportunity for, to keep offenses of wrong. Come on. I love it, man. You go out in the streets, the guy on the corner, he never sinned against you. Come on. You're like, I love that guy. Praise God you love that guy. That guy never sinned against you. I get it. Why don't you love your brother in church, the one that shouts extra loud that you're looking at with that crooked eye? Come on. Or your spouse that's, you know, whatever. And, and, and those things that rub and come on. That's where we need a revival of love and not to look at each other and look at, look at the people that you've been around for decades and go, you're incredible. I honor you. I love you. I bless you. Wow, I need you in my life. Come on, a revival of love, a revival of forgiveness, a revival of like, man, I actually care about you. We need this in the church. We're not, we're not, we're family. And at the table, what I love about the table of the Lord is there's no stage. There's no elevated platform. It's a table. Everyone's sitting around together at the table. It just demolishes that thing of, oh, I'm super whatever. It's the table. And at the table, when I, when I break bread with people, guess what happens? What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? Say it out with me. Galatians 2.20. Yeah, did y'all hear that? I have been crucified with Christ. No, watch this. Watch this. There's one bread. There's one bread and one body. And if my confession is that I have been crucified, then I, am not, I have not only covenant, I love the covenant we have with God. We don't have a problem with God. God never sinned against you. I've said this before, and I don't say this flippantly. God is easy to love. He's easy to love. He really is easy to love. He's the most lovely one that has ever been. What's hard is when a member of his own body, my brother or sister, acts outside of character, and I got to look at them and go, I don't want to be Jesus to you. I'd rather just love him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you gotta understand, that's me. He's like, that's me. What do you mean that's you? No, 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 you're you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, I'm in them. And we are members one another together of the same body, one bread. And so part of our worship, there is an expression of worship that is about forgiveness. And I believe forgiveness is the key to this great communion revival. Forgiveness. Now, there's a lot of talk about forgiveness. And, and it's about to get a little bit uncomfortable in here. And I don't say that to be any, any kind of way, but I believe until we get a revelation of the forgiveness of God 
revealed through the new covenant by the blood and the body, we will remain stuck. We will remain stuck where we are. Turn your Bible. I want you to see this to Luke chapter 23, verses 32. We'll start there. Luke 23, 32. I also had another dream. I sent it to Lou, and there were these small red circles. It was, a, it was another live interactive map, separate than the one Chris had. And, I, and in the dream, it was measuring the impact of when we would share this message. It would like, there are these little red circles and they were growing all over the nation. In some places it was really small, in other places it was growing, but it was like a virus spreading everywhere. And so when I, when I see that, when I see that, and I've prayed with God, I said, God, what is that? And I think he's saying, he's saying it's my church coming back to the table in families, homes, churches, congregations, honoring my body, honoring my blood, and releasing forgiveness to each other and to the world. Luke 23, 32 says this, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left, and Jesus said, now the context is they're crucifying him. Jesus is being crucified nailed to a tree, please do not get numb to the phrase crucified him. It is horrific, it is grotesque, it is the, it is the single, it is literally the word injustice. The innocent, spotless, guiltless lamb of God. Innocent, innocent, no fault, no wrong, being murdered torturously. And in this moment, God, listen, God speaks out in the moment and teaches us, church, how to deal with injustice, how to deal with the height of human depravity. Listen, this is the culmination of human depravity. We were there. Come on now. If you don't think you were, you don't know. Without God, you were there crucifying Christ. We were there. We were there. That was us. That was humans, apart from God, murdered God. And, and in this moment, you've got to understand when this phrase was said, it was said in the height of human depravity, wickedness, sin. You do not get more evil and wicked than destroying the innocent Lamb of God. You don't get a greater injustice. You don't get a greater outcry. You don't get a greater like, like, oh, no, no. If you, don't, if you look at the cross and don't say from one perspective, no, you're not seeing it right because he was innocent. From one perspective, it's like, no, you're perfect. And in that moment, 
God opens his mouth, bleeding. Father, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Oh, he's just saying that. Huh? For they know not what they do. I believe this was the single most powerful statement in Jesus' life and ministry. We say it is finished, but I believe this. Father, forgive them. When Jesus prays to the Father, are his prayers answered? So what did God do? Oh, I don't know. What did God do? What did God do in that moment to those who were murdering his son? I don't know if y'all believe yourselves. Is Jesus gonna pray, Father, forgive them, and he's gonna go, mm-mm, I don't forgive them. Come on, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't wanna read our Bibles like this. This is real. Now keep reading. You know, they, they, one of the criminals began to rail him, verse 39. You're not the Christ, save yourself and us, but the other rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Jesus says, truly today you'll be with me in paradise. Now look at verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. Did you know it was dark in the day? And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. This bomb goes off, the veil, dark. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice. Some of you are like, why does he have a loud voice? Because I'm passionate. And this is real. This is real. And this is needed in this hour with what's happening in our nation. We need a unified voice. What does the blood say? The better blood speaks. The better blood says something. It says something. And I believe it says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Now watch this. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now you guys know Jesus had to give up his spirit to truly die. You all know that? They didn't kill Jesus. You couldn't kill Jesus. Death only had the power to kill someone because of sin. So Jesus could have hung there all he wanted. He didn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he ran out of blood. Well, I ran out of blood, I died, no. He had to surrender his spirit. He could have just, he could still be hanging there if he wanted to be. Y'all don't get that about Jesus. He could have, he could today still be hanging there until he said, until he said, I'm done. Because he's the author of life. And he had to lay down his life. We think they killed Jesus. They didn't kill Jesus. He laid his life down. 
He yielded up his spirit. Oh, he's king. He's Lord. He's master. He's the author of life. He holds the keys to death and Hades. He's all in all. He's amazing. And he's teaching us how to live on the earth in this hour. He's teaching us how to speak to one another and to the world. Now watch this. Verse 47, he breathed his last. Verse 47, I'd never seen this verse before. Now when the centurion, who's the centurion? The Roman officer who's officiating this crucifixion. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God. What? What? The Roman, the murderer praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. No, no, what did you say? Uh-uh, you haven't gone on trial yet. You just murdered the author of life. You don't get to praise God. You're going on trial. Wait, wait, what, what? This man in a moment, because I believe Jesus released those murdering him. He said, Father, forgive him. What if he had said, Father, don't forgive him? This centurion would have remained blind, stuck in his sin, never able to come to the cross and receive the majesty and beauty of the innocent Lamb of God. I believe Jesus' proclamation in that moment, Father, forgive him. They don't know what they do. The next moment, y'all, the centurion that's murdering him, do you guys not have a problem with this? He's praising God. He's, the murderer is praising God. Oh, we don't, what? You don't get to praise God without a trial, without showing some sort of repentance. No, he saw the man and he goes, he's innocent, hallelujah, I praise God. And I believe the blood of Jesus was enacted on that centurion that day. In his judgment, he was freed of his judgment of what he did the, the hour earlier of authorizing the death of Jesus, he's forgiven. This is the better blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the blood of Abel, the blood of Abel cries out from the ground, and God hears and goes, hey, there's judgment for you, Cain. See, we're still living under the blood of Abel. I get that there's innocent blood that's shed on the earth today. It's wicked. It's despicable. It's, it's, it's not the will of God. It's not the heart of God when people are murdered in innocent blood. But there is a blood of Yeshua that the church must come back and begin to speak to the lost and dying world. We forgive you. You say, oh, we can't say that. You can't say that. They said this to Jesus. They brought a crippled man to Jesus. They brought a crippled man to Jesus. And Jesus looks at a crippled man and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees go, there's no way. You cannot talk that way. Why would you tell a crippled man your sins are forgiven? Do you know if the crippled man had heard him rightly, he would have popped up to his feet? Do you know why? Because sickness and disease in every physical manifestation of sickness, it breathes the oxygen of sin. I want you to hear me. The only reason sickness and disease and cripple exist is because of sin. Sin is the tree, sickness is the fruit. So when he said, son, your sins are forgiven, he was taking away the air of his crippledness 
And you're like, oh, what? Because they were like, who can forgive sins but God alone? He goes, so you know that I can forgive sins and take away the tree? I'm gonna speak to this man. I'm gonna actually speak to the fruit. Get up and walk and go home. The guy, he stands up and walks. John 20, 22, can you put this up here? This is where it gets prophetic and wild. And can, the, can Kevin, someone come up here and help me? Whoever, Oscar, Nick, praise God. John 20, 22, look at this. Jesus is resurrected. He's resurrected now. And he walks in through the locked door and he breathes on his disciples. This is weird. I love to read my Bible and go, God, that's really weird. <laughs> Let me give you a little picture. <sighs> that's weird. Why would he do that? The creation account, Genesis 2, he forms Adam and he breathes into his nostrils. <sighs> and Adam became a living being. What was happening to the disciples? They were becoming born again. <sighs> Receive the Holy Spirit. I believe this is a prophetic picture of this year, 2022. John 2022, I believe God is breathing upon his church. 2022 is this year, he's breathing, he's going, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then 2023 is wild. Look at what he says. What, what is the first command he tells them after 2022? He says, if you forgive the sins of any, if who? If you. He says, hey, by the way, I'm gonna give you the spirit. <laughs> and I'm gonna give you the purpose for giving you the spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you withhold, it's withheld. There is an authority. You remember the dream? We don't fight power with power. There is an authority given to us by the spirit. We have the authority from God on high by the Spirit to proclaim as ambassadors, as sons of God, as daughters of God. We can stand up. If I were to address our nation today, if I had the ability to speak to the entire nation, I would look at her right in the eye and I would say, I forgive you. By the authority of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, by the means of the Holy Spirit, I look to your soul, the United States of America, and I forgive you. I release you of abortion. I release you of race, racism. I release you of sexual morality. I forgive you. And if you desire this God, know that you are forgiven. Come and repent and come to the table and consummate your repentance by taking of his broken body and his shed blood. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This is, this is our cry. And I believe this, this cry, this message, this prayer, Father, forgive them. Start, start with this. And this is where we're gonna start today. There's many of you in this room and you need to, you need to experience personally, personally, the forgiveness of God and the healing power of God. You need to experience it. If you are not confident with God, this morning, 
Like if you don't wake up in confidence with God, if you don't wake up with a buoyant spirit, if you are crippled with affliction and anxiety and depression and sickness and cancer and autoimmune and all manner of sickness, I want you to know sickness is not normal in the kingdom of God. He taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to heal you. He wants to, no, hear me, hear me, hear me. He wants to heal your mortal body. He delights to heal your mortal body. It's not like a less, well, what's the more spiritual thing? He never, he never did that. He never did that. He delights. No one ever hated his own flesh, the Bible says, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. If you need physical healing, or deliverance today, I want you to stand to your feet. You need physical healing or deliverance. You need, you need to receive the forgiveness of sins. Maybe you've never been born again. Yeah, you can stand to your feet. There is absolutely no shame. Are you kidding me? Now, I want you to call to remembrance. As you're standing there, I want you to call the remembrance. Listen, I don't believe in hype. I don't believe in show. I believe that that little wafer that we took in the blood, this was God's covenant in his commitment. He gave his son to you and I so that we could be made whole and forgiven. And so I want to speak to you as a son, as an ambassador from heaven. I want to tell you that your sins are forgiven. And every effect of that sin, every effect of sin in your body manifesting in sickness and disease, I speak to you with the authority and the love of God, and I say be healed, be delivered right now. If someone's around you, just extend your hand. Just lay hand. The Bible says just lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You know why? Because his body and his blood speaks. His blood speaks. Just lay your hands. Let God out. Just lay your hands. You don't even need to pray. Just lay your hands. And God in you will be released through them. broken body. Don't look to, are you worthy? Look to his broken body. He gave himself to you to make you whole by the power of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, church. Just bless him. If you're sitting, if you're ministering, just begin to thank him. God, thank you for your body. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for healing across this place, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for autoimmune. Come on, if that's you, autoimmune disease, stick your hand up. If that's you, autoimmune, yeah, be healed. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. He's healing you right now. Just begin to worship him. Just begin to worship him in the spirit. Come on. Come on, church. Let that river flow out of you. If God is in you, let him flow. Come on, we're members of one another. Their breakthrough is your breakthrough. Come on, if you're in the overflow watching online, your breakthrough is our breakthrough. Come on, we believe. We believe, God, that you're a healer. Move through your body. The blood of Jesus. 
the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus Christ broken for you. Now could everyone just stand to your feet? Just continue to be ministered to, continue to allow Jesus himself to heal you. Can we hold hands across this place? around the table of the Lord? Can we hold hands across this place? Do you have faith for a communion revival in our nation, in your family? Okay, so the three of you, let's pray together. The three of you, let's pray together. We're gonna pray and we're gonna declare over our nation, over your mom, over your dad, over the person you have an offense with, I want you to declare with one voice across this place, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Come on, release them. Speak what the blood is saying. Father, forgive them. Whatever that issue you've been praying for, your son, your, the, your daughter that's wayward, release them right now. There is a bomb gonna go off in the spirit. Father, forgive them. Forgive your bride, Lord, for, for, for worshiping lesser lovers, God. Forgive us for being distracted from you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Come on, it's a ministry of the Spirit. You're like, oh, my soul doesn't feel it. It's a ministry of the Spirit. Come on, release them. No offense. No offense. No offense. No offense. No offense. We want the blood to flow. We want the life to flow. We want the blood and the life to flow. We're together in this. Come on, we're together. No more comparison. No more jockeying for position. Oh, na, 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 na. No more orphan spirit. Come on. Come on, come on. No more orphan spirit. No more orphan spirit. Oh, there's one Father. There's one God. There's one Jesus. Oh, God. have one Father. There is one Lord, one Spirit that we all drink of. If you feel like this will be the last thing, if you feel like you just, you want to lean into this and you're like, man, I want to enter into this lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of communion. It's a lifestyle of honoring Jesus in your family, starts with your own heart, starts with your family, starts with your, your, your peer group. And you're like, man, I, I don't wanna go a week without offering forgiveness, without receiving the forgiveness of Jesus, without speaking what the blood is speaking. If that's you, just put your hand on your heart. I wanna commission you. I wanna commission you. I wanna commission you, Upper Room. I wanna commission you. Father, I thank you for what you're speaking to us. God, I thank you for the dreams that you've spoken to the fathers. And the best we know how, God, we say we desire a revival, God, around your son, the body and the blood, God. Start with us. Start with me. Come on, put your hand on your heart. Start with me, Lord. If I'm numb and apathetic to your cross, to your blood, to your body, to your forgiveness, start with me, God. Revive us today. Awaken us today. Soften our hearts to what you've done. 
into the covenant that you've made with us in your son. God, I commission, I commission this house. God, with the bread and the blood, I commission you to be heralds, to be proclaimers of the better blood. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We love you, Jesus. We honor you.